0: morning, family. How are you all? Cold, wet, horrible? Not really. Not really. Quite nice, really, isn't it? Not, not anywhere like it used to be. Well, over the last uh, few weeks, we have been talking about, uh, in Ephesians, looking at the, the way in which God has developed His church. Um, we moved from the individual status, to looking at the kingdom of God, looking at the consequences of the kingdom of God looking at the way in which God has worked through individuals and trains individuals up to be the people of God. And over the last, uh, I don't know, weeks we've been talking in Ephesians about how God develops His church, the community, which is His representation on earth. So we've been doing that for, I reckon, about eight or nine weeks. Now we get to chapter four uh, of this, and I'd like to read it to you. Uh, We sometimes say to ourselves, well, what's the foundation of the church? What's the basis of of us all being together? How do we know what the foundation is that we can return back to and rely upon? Well, this reading tells us precisely. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you who are called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. Well, now, we're asking ourselves, and I'm going to go down and get my pointer. We're asking ourselves, what are the characteristics of this uh, foundation, this unity that we share together? Well... This is what Paul has to say to us. This family has colours that don't run. Now, you'll notice that uh, that's probably a slogan that you've heard from some bikey club. Uh, And it is, because that's where I got it from. It says to us... The characteristics of the church are 1 to 6, the operation of the church is 7 to 13... We're dealing with one to six today but what it says is that these colors don't run that is to say we don't dilute and we don't retreat so far as the gospel of jesus christ is concerned that's the foundation upon which we stand and we don't run the process of saying well let's change what we believe to fit our local society we don't as the church of the living god say well, let our society critique us and if they don't like what they see, let's change ourselves to make sure that our society likes us. We don't dilute. That seem fair? And we don't retreat. We can't say to ourselves, well, it's getting a bit hot and tough around the place here, so I'll back off and I just won't say what I need to say in in our society. I won't be who I need to be. Paul is saying to these people, don't take... This stuff lightly. Because if, if you get to some of this gear, you begin to understand that uh, you're, you're on the edge of blasphemy. You'll discover that as we go along. What about the church? Well, the breadth of the church is that it is a complete mixture. We are of different racial groupings, we're of different experiences, we're of different educational backgrounds. I happen to be a geographer, comes theologian. Other people are scientists. My daughter is a mathematician, which I can't understand in a fit. There are no barriers of any kind. We can't say to each other, as we've discovered in the early part of Ephesians, we can't say to each other, I'm better than you because the colour of my skin is brown and not white. Or I'm better than you because I've got this degree and you don't have that. In the church, level playing field everybody is on the same boat we're all together no barriers of any kind different people groups uh, people in the past have seen that as a negative but I want to say to you that that is one of the greatest positives the church has ever had a chance to grab hold of when we have different people groups we have different cultures we have different ideas we have different perspectives on the gospel we have different food and we have as the church of the living God the opportunity to take all of that and learn from all of that and grow in our strength and our maturity because we've embraced one another and we've learned how to get on with one another and take the advantages from every part of our society and grow in maturity. We should be an incredibly strong organisation. There are potential differences. Is that wrong? No, of course not. Are there likely to be some arguments and discussions? In the church. Of course there are. Is that wrong? No. That's not wrong. There are divergent viewpoints. There are personality differences. There are a range of gifts. My wife is a junior primary teacher. She gravitates immediately to all the young kids in the church. That's what she does. Other other young ladies in the church decide their gifts are hospitality. And they gravitate immediately to that place. Other men do this, other men do that. We have different gifts that God has given to us. And there are possibility for splits? Yes. But that's where our strength lies. Because if we have in our society, in our community, a foundational base upon which we can deal with the differences, we will grow even stronger. Well, let's look at this. Beneath all the differences lies a basic unity, Paul has to say to us in this passage precisely what he's saying and that unity is not what we have chosen to put together as a Baptist church or as a Uniting Church or as a Roman Catholic Church it is what the Spirit of God has put in place so our task is not to create unity our task is to maintain unity our responsibility is to work together rubbing each other up and down a little bit at times and getting a little bit upset with one another but coming together again under the power and the authority of the spirit of god and be who we're supposed to be there are two kinds of unity and i don't want to dwell on this strongly but uh, this is this is part of the deal there is external togetherness without internal agreement we'll say that we uh, we'll say that we uh, uh, we all have a name we live under that name uh, there The West Adelaide Football Club in South Australia uh, was told it needed to unite with uh, another football club because the, the, the league was struggling a bit. So they said, well, we will unite with anybody provided two things happen. One, we wear black and red. Two, we call ourselves West Adelaide Baptists, uh, West Adelaide Football Club. Doesn't matter about whether we're unified underneath, so long as you bear our colours and our name, we'll unify with anybody. But that's nonsense, isn't it? That's not going to work. That's not people joining together in unity with one another. Internal togetherness, which manifests in occasional disagreements. It's union versus unity. An internal togetherness, which manifests occasionally in disagreement. So that union is not the same as unity. Union rests on the lowest common denominator, internal agreement, To give the outward appearance of unity, but without the internal certainty. Now, you might say, well, the Baptist Union is just that. And I would say, no, 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 no. Baptist Union is basing itself on what I'm about to go through. And if you want to join the Baptist Union, you need to agree to these particular ideas. These colours don't run. We don't change from what we believe in this. When Paul talks about unity in chapter 4, verse 3, He is talking of a pre-existing unity, which is the evidence and the character of the presence of God. He is here among us. He is explaining to us what the future holds. He is giving to us the gifts to be able to make that happen. He is giving to us the foundational bit of love in which we discern each other's hurts and pains and we love each other. We look after each other. He goes on to describe it in verses 4 to 6. And that's what I want to... There are seven points. You might say seven is perfection. Well, in this case it is. Let's have a look at them. First of all, one body. There is one body. One cell grows into become, until it becomes a mature body. You might have four or five to meet together in a in a small group and they, they talk to one another and the five become six and seven and eight and nine and then they decide together to get to, to build... Think about the beginning of this church if you were here years ago over on, the other, over on the other side of the road. We have one or two people nodding, at least, anyway. You know what, what it was like. Just one or two come together. And eventually, look at what we've got here. Uh, we've got uh, one cell that has grown into one mature body, but the, all of the cells, each of us, share the same, exactly the same common life. We are together rooted into Jesus Christ. We are together empowered by the Spirit and that's the foundation, that's the basis of our existence. Not a group of individuals, uh, but organised together by the unity of the Spirit of God. One body, one spirit. The one who expresses the power of God in the church. The Spirit of God sometimes known in theological circles as the go-between God. The go-between God who comes to you and to me and talks to us about the Jesus stuff. And the one who takes our fears, our hurts, our difficulties and our questions back to Jesus Christ and comes back to us with answers. The go-between God. The one who sets in place all of the characteristics that we need to be the people of God. The one who expresses the power of the Spirit. Our power, you see, is not in political clout. Our power is in the spirit. The greatest weapons we have in the warfare of life, especially against the evil one, is on our knees. The greatest weapons we have are our spiritual dimension relationship with God, which has to do with prayer, to start off with. That's why I think prayer is so important in the life of the church. That's where we get our direction from. It's where we get our energy from. It's where we get our sense of unity together from. The same Spirit, through time, through racial discrimination, through differences and disputes, we have a total need to depend on the Spirit, not on our own wisdom. That's what Paul is saying in this this reading that I just read to you from uh, chapter 4. We have a responsibility to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. In fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to hear the voice of His Spirit amongst us, in us. We Baptist churches make decisions together on the basis of the unity of the church. We don't have a top-down rulership. What we have... Is a group of people who have given us responsibility to lead, respond, they take their responsibility seriously, but at the end of the day, we come together as a whole family, don't we? We come together. We decided just recently to appoint a pastor. Wonderful news, wonderful news. But that wasn't handed down by a pope upstairs who says now, I think Mitcham Church would do well with the, uh, with the. Uh. We met together, we listened to God. We listened to what he had to say. So the spirit, these colours don't run. You can't pretend we can organise ourselves in a different way altogether. It doesn't work. This is the foundation of our church. One hope. That hope is the companionship of Jesus. Walking every day with a best friend. Talking every day with a best friend knowing that i am never alone i might feel lonely but i'm never alone because the one who created me created the world created the universe says to me i will walk with you one step at a time i will say to you at the appropriate moments this is the way walk in it the companionship of jesus the empowering of jesus Jesus is the focal point, surely. Jesus is the focal point of our life as a church and he's the foundation upon which we build everything that we are. The return of Jesus, yes. One would say, many people have been saying lately, given what's happening over in Israel, we're not too far away. I think there are one or two more things yet to happen, I'm afraid, before that happens. But, you know, he's coming again. The time is coming when we will see him face to face he is not a set of ideas he is a person jesus is the god man seated at the right hand of the father he will come and stand next to you and say, so my dear sister my dear brother i have loved you from the beginning and now i say to you well done you have foundation in your life that no other people in society have and you have sat on that foundation and you have not run. The focus of our hope, of course, is Jesus Christ. The focus of our hope in everything is Jesus Christ. In our life, in our future, in our purpose. There are some who've just gone home recently and we mourn their loss. But they are saying, I've, I've done it, I'm home. I'm, I'm in the right place for me right now. One Lord. Now, here we, here we can get into trouble if we're not very careful. The fundamental issue is that Lord means ultimate authority. The problem with human beings is that we think authority can be shared. And that in our relationship with Jesus... We get a say (laughs) not just saying lord but meaning it but pursuing it in everything i do jesus christ is the lord of my life lord where do we go next lord what are you doing here what is the future what are you planning on doing how can i be i'm a servant of the living god i'm a disciple of jesus christ and a servant of the living god and on that basis that is my foundation That is my life's purpose. That is my procedure to operate, you might say. Acts 4, now let me read these to you because these are are really important texts. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Pretty straightforward. It is Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore God exalted him to, be to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, the the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is coming a time, and of course, the universe will be on its knees confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the meantime, there are going to be people around the place who say, I don't believe in him. Now, there's an unfortunate bit about that. And uh, 1 John spells it out. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. You know that there's only one sin in the world that cannot be forgiven? You know what it is? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That is to say when he says to you in your spirit Jesus Christ is Lord, you say I don't believe that. Get lost. And he will say to you, how can I heal you? How can I I cannot forgive that. Unless you come into a relationship with me, you are doomed for eternity. Unless you give my give your life to me, Unless you let me turn your life around and see me face to face, you are doomed in eternity to keep saying, I don't believe in you. One Lord. Is Jesus really Lord of your life? I have to ask myself that quite frequently. Because there are times when I would prefer to be the boss. You're not the same as that, I know that. I know that you, you're very good. I'm not. <laughs> one faith. You know, in the church that I grew up in, West Croydon Baptist in South Australia, they, they had this thing across the baptistry. You know, in a lot of the older churches, they have a baptistry, and over the, over the baptistry, there's this thing. And across it was written, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And I had a chap, I was playing the organ for the service, and I was practising one day. One chap came in and said to me, Oh, that can't be true. There's too many denominations. I said, no, 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 no. That belongs to every donation, every donation, every dom- denomination. One faith, one faith associated with our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the foundation of our life. When God is forming his church, these seven ideas, these seven factual bits of information are the foundation that forms our steady rock one body of truth based in the scriptures alone not the stuff added to the scriptures a careful thinking about the scriptures of course i mean the basic question that needs to be asked when you're reading the scriptures is not what do i read now because they were written 2,000 years ago, the basic question we've got to ask ourselves is, what did the author think he meant by writing this? What is the author on about? What is he saying to me? That's where I need to go. Solar Scripture. Luther started that off way, way, way back, because the church kept saying, oh, well, the teaching of the church is the equivalent of the teaching of the of the Scriptures, and they put the two together. Luther said that. That's not true. Solo scripture. Only the scripture. But interpreted with wisdom and integrity on the basis of what did the author think he meant? One faith. One baptism. All of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death so that we too may live a new life. Romans 6. One baptism. Now you know the you know the imagery of the baptism. You know that on one side of the baptistry we come in as the individual who carries a load of sin, goes under the water, leaves, is, is, is cleansed under the water. It's all, it's all imagery, it's not a physical reality. It's cleansed and then comes out the other side a new person. That's what this is saying. We have deliberately taken the, the one course that Jesus told us to take, as the evidence of our faith in him, we have chosen to be buried with him, to rise again with him into a new existence and a new future. We have put on Jesus Christ. In this burial, we have now arisen and put on Jesus Christ. We are now clothed in him. When our father sees us, he sees, that's my son. That's my son. We have entered into a personal transaction. This is not a matter of believing stuff. That's part of it. But the the issue is actually giving myself into the belief of what I know to be true. Being prepared to say, in the baptism I witness to the fact that in my heart I have already said I belong to Jesus. This doesn't happen magically here This is simply an evident statement of it. His death and resurrection expresses itself in our lives. My ideas, in what I think ought to happen, are put to death. The only right way I have to believe now is to bring into resurrection the ideas of Jesus Christ so that they might be mine. You know when I say, when i mine and me and all that, I'm actually talking about you guys and me as well. That's ours. It's not a matter of saying, I'll, I'll apply my intellect. I have a giant intellect, so I'll apply my intellect to what God wants. No, it's a matter of saying, I now act in submission to the authority of Jesus Christ and I apply in my life, in whatever I say, do or believe, who Jesus is, what he's saying. One father... This is number seven, one father. The ultimate aim of all of the others is to bring us to God, our father. To find us on our knees before our father saying, Lord God, the future is yours. Lord God, my life is yours and I will live my life in obedience to you on the foundation of all of the stuff we've just talked about today, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father. I will live my life for eternity on that. And when I come to see you, I will have already learned all of the characteristics of of faithfulness. I'll I'll have already learned all of the characteristics of obedience. I might have shrugged it off a little bit, wrestled with it a little bit, but I've learned what obedience means. So when I come through to see you, Father, I'm already a formed individual. I'm, I'm, I'm formed into the character of Jesus. There are some pretty rough edges and you can tidy those up when I get there. But when I come home, Lord, you need to know you've been in action in my life all these years. I'm yours. Romans 8, 15 and 16. You received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. There can no other name can be so completely addressed who we know. And you know, you've probably heard people say before, that that really in our language means daddy, dear daddy. My grandsons came in this morning. We had a sleepover at our house. house. My grandsons came in the minute the clock went seven o'clock. We've told them they're not allowed to come into our room until it's seven o'clock. Seven o'clock, my three-year-old is on the top bouncing up and down. And I'm saying, oh, dear. There is no other name can so completely address who we are. He, was, he wasn't saying daddy because I'm not his daddy. He's saying, Papa, Papa, Grandpa, get up, get up, Grandpa. And I'm pretending that I'm all hurt and upset and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I'm pushing him back and all that. But, but in, the, in that moment thinking, this little boy of mine, three years old, is calling me Papa. He's calling me Dad. He's calling me Grandfather. It's the most precious thing we can do. Line up, sidle up behind beside him and say, Father, Father, dear Father, I've used the life you've given to me in the best way I've heard your Spirit tell me to do. That's all there is to it. Daddy, Daddy, can, can I hold your hand for a bit? Can I come up? Can, will you tickle me? When I jump on you in bed, will you pretend to love me? Yeah, of course. We're all little boys and little girls underneath, aren't we? There is nothing more that we can have is to be able to come to our Father and know His love. Paul's conclusion for the in these first, first six verses of chap, chapter 4 are these. Here in these seven are the unity that already exists. So when you hear about... Uh, the Spirit of God brings unity to us and we're maintaining the unity that the church has got, not creating the unity. You know what he's saying. There it is. There are the characteristics of unity in the church. It doesn't mean that we don't occasionally fight. We have a wrestling match about sometimes I actually believe this ought to happen. I we can't manufacture it. You can do it till the cows come home and you'll come up with nothing. The unity that we have, the unity we have is bled, bled and bred in us by the Spirit of God. The only way we can lead others to that is to lead them to Christ first. People want to be a part of the church. People want to be a part of all that we've been talking about. There is a first step. And that first step is to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ where I say to him, I confess that you are my Lord. I confess that you, Jesus Christ, are the Lord of the universe and I give my life to you. And he says, join my family. Join my family and you'll know healing, you'll know peace, you'll know love, you'll know freedom. Because in my family... That's the foundation stone. Amen.